Welcome to Fire Your Therapist, a podcast with a radical perspective on mental health. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Dan. Welcome to Fire Your Therapist. On this episode, we're keeping it real. Oh, what does that even mean, Dan? It means we're going to tell it like it is. What's it? What are we telling? Truth. We're going <laughs> to speak truth. All of it. We're gonna we're we're gonna be truth tellers. Oh, do we have to? I hate it when people do that. Don't don't you want to be authentic? Um, don't you want to be genuine? Don't uh, you want to be yourself every minute of every day? I uh, well. Because because if not, then you ain't keeping it real. <laughs> I feel like I feel like being authentic is just like admitting that you don't know anything. Ah. I think you could be right, but I don't think that's what most people think of. I think, unfortunately, being authentic and being genuine has become like this giant excuse just to say anything that comes to mind. And, and, and if you challenge people, they're like, I don't know. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just telling it like it is. And really, they just said whatever the hell came to mind. Huh. All right. You ever encountered this? Where people think that their opinions are um, verifiable facts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like because it crossed their mind, they think it's truth. Yeah. And that um, they should tell everybody about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we should check in and then we should talk about things in a very real way. <laughs> All right. You have to check in about anything? Um, yeah. I think this is an interesting topic because... It probably doesn't sound at first like one tightly related to um, the work we usually talk about, but I'm surprised how often um, in my professional work, training therapists, this comes up. And I think people are really confused about what it means to be themselves versus to do their job. Anything else? No, I'm good. You want to check in? Well, I would check in with saying that we had a very long pre-check-in where we talked about doing different show topics and then this uh, was more prevalent and I felt like it was happening more this week and might be more um, of an interesting topic to talk about. But the only thing um, I'd personally check in with is that this is a very aggravating topic for me because I teeter between feeling opinionated and then feeling annoyed at others' opinions and mm. whenever I do have something very relevant to say, I feel like I do have some expertise in an area. Um, I want to share it, but when I feel it's going to fall on deaf ears, then I just get upset because then I find myself sitting in a position where I need to listen to somebody else's opinion on a topic where they have zero expertise. And we all know it. So I feel like they're telling on themselves because the more um, you're trying to force that idea out there, like, I know about this thing, then it's kind of like you're saying, I really don't know, but I have to say it louder so that you'll believe me. Mm-hmm. So I'm back and forth. Because even being on this show and saying, you know, um, I'm hosting a show called Fire Your Therapist and I have all the opinions about therapy and how it should be done, all these things. I feel like it's an, Im- an implicit thing that's being said unless I explicitly say right now, I don't know <laughs> what a therapist should do. But I know um, that the inauthentic things out there that are posing as authentic should probably be reconsidered. Um, that's my check-in. And then I also feel like I should say we have a guest today, whether she wants to be a guest or not. Brandis is here. Brandis, will you say hello? Will you introduce yourself? Hi. <laughs> that was her full hello. 
Hi, Brandis. Would you like to check in also? Um, no, but you guys were talking, and and I and I thought of something extremely interesting to me, in my opinion. She has an opinion. Say it. I, I don't know if you're allowed to share your opinion until you check in. Um, I'm doing very well. Um, the fried rice was delicious, and um, I'm glad that you feed your guests. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. All right. That's it. Uh, you're welcome, I guess. I think that's the most we've ever gotten out of you. No, I'm going to say a lot in a second. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Where are we starting? So in talking about being opinionated, and we were talking earlier about how this is something new, aren't we living in a time where being prolific is a fad? So people try to say the most interesting, most mind-blowing thing they can in 140 characters, (laughs) which teaches people to think their opinion is gold because we, we spend so much time typing and deleting and retyping and deleting and retyping things to make sure they're as um, amazing as we can possibly make them. And no one's going through that process of how many times we screwed it up. What gets presented is what we call perfection. So our opinions have been dressed up as um, falsely dressed as being gold and they're not. Thank you for listening to Fire Your Therapist. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one? Yeah, did you edit it and re-edit it and re-edit it before you said it? No. Oh. Sounded like gold to me. She, she's better at this than us. Um, I totally agree with you. I think there was an era where being prolific was something art students were obsessed with or poetry students, you know. Now it's, you're right, every, everybody's Facebook selfie needs to be prolific. I agree, too, and it's not just because I love you. <laughs> wow. I just agree. You just said that. What, I can't love somebody? You can love me all you want. I hope so. No, but so, so think, about, think about the selfie, right? How many times does a selfie come out disgustingly wrong and horrible and your face looks contorted and you're not looking at the camera and your pimple's showing, the lighting's not right, um... You know, whatever happened to make it horrible, but you get an unlimited amount of times to to redo it, in you know, privately, right? So no one's seeing you mess up. So you always present well, and then in a, in a in a real life conversation, um, you tell on yourself because you can't do that editing process alone, but because we're so falsely confident in ourselves because of what we can contrive behind closed doors, we we think it's real. And then our conversations become this weird, um, falsely organic, you know, thing that we've um, in some way said it was, you know, what am I trying to say? You really should have thought that through. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because I didn't have a chance to edit it and say it like the way I wanted it to say it. But it's like we we present as as, as people who think that we're doing the the right and real thing, but... (sighs) That's, that's fine. This is this is a great example of keeping it real. I mean, <laughs> the type we really mean. Absolutely. And do you have a response? Do I have a response? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think it's a, a great perspective on what we're talking about, and it really like it fills out this very comprehensive landscape for me when I think about uh, what Brandis was just saying about being able to rehearse in private and that there is such an emphasis on being prolific. And then when you merge that with um, the overbearing nature of 
the sort of business culture in the world today where seeming dominant, seeming authoritative, sounding like an expert gets rewarded way more than actually having expertise, right? If you can act like you're the boss, that's more important than actually being good at being a boss, right? So you've got that in the business world, you've got being prolific in sort of either social situations or creative situations, you know, and then on top of all of that, everyone carries around this attitude that everyone else is an idiot, whether it's true or not. And I mean, I'll admit to being one of those people that kind of thinks, well, I think I'm probably at least at the 50% mark as far as like intelligence goes, which means half the people out there are dumber than me. If you bring all those things together, it kind of isn't a surprise that so many people just, you know, assume that everything that comes out of their mouth is either expertise or prolific or in some way more right than the other person. So do you think it would be beneficial for everyone to um, kind of get a grasp on reality and say, my unrehearsed self is not as smart as my rehearsed self. So in my conversations where I'm not able to edit or rehearse, I'm going to hold the position of I could be wrong but this is how I feel. What do you think? As opposed to, let me just tell you what I think. And, you know, I want you to pass out on the floor in like all of my intelligence. And please don't contradict whatever I've said. Right. right? Even though I haven't edited it, I haven't thought it through. Once it's out, <laughs> I have to stand by it and defend it. So if you come against me, you know, just be prepared that I'm not going to hear, you know, what you have to say. Yeah. Well, this is why like the internet is ruining people's lives. <laughs> Because very real. <laughs> it's true. It's one giant <laughs> unilateral conversation. Right. Everybody's just broadcasting. Nobody's actually having a dialogue. Right. I mean, you're not getting any feedback, but the edited version of you gets, you know, 400 likes on Facebook, and it, it it's, it's like a false validation of who you are. It's not real because if you were able to do that, you know, in a very one take Jake kind of way, like you can do it on the first try and you're having that experience in real life over and over again, then I think even online, people are going to value your opinion more. But if in person you present differently, but then we talked about, like we talked about before, your, your real self and your, like your authentic self and your fake self or whatever we were talking about in the last show, um, that comes into play too. But I have two thoughts on this. Um, the first thought is that I work with children at, at very young ages, and I'm finding that, when they come into contact with me, they have so many opinions as well. And that's really strange for me, for a four and five-year-old child to th think that they know all things in the whole world and, and so few questions come out. I mean, I'm used to kids asking, why is that? And what is that? And why is it happening that way? And instead, it's, I'm going to teach you. And <laughs> these children are coming in and they're little teachers. And it's so strange for me, but it's a it's just a culture shift. I mean, that's what they're taught to do now. Um, maybe as an LA thing, I don't know, but it, it strikes me. And then the other thing is, um, you know, even speaking on this show and having an opinion about, you know, what therapists should do or, or shouldn't do, or at least voicing my um, interest in the topics that therapists talk about, whether or not I know what they should do or should not do. I think it's interesting that um, I have been working in the field for a while so I do have some opinions and I didn't try to have many at first because I was very in over my head. And now that I've developed a thought or two about it um, and I have something to say, it, it's, I guess it's just 
it's interesting how people may even know that I have the expertise and they'll still come and try to have an opinion about, you know, what I should be doing. Um, and this is not an experience that's unique to me, but you know, that people yeah. want to come in and say, no, this is what a therapist should do. And I was, I, and I'm sitting here going, hello, like, I know that you know that I have a degree. I know that you know that I practice this, but I'm not going to be walking around saying, by the way, I have a degree. You know, I mean, who cares? I, if, they, right. if they're not taking that in and they want to have their opinion, there's a real, there's a much bigger problem going on than me being seen or being heard because I'm not really concerned with that. But it would be like me going and, and telling someone how to do their job and I've actually never done it before. It's just like a really interesting phenomenon because it, it, it happens so often now. Uh, I don't even know where it comes from. I, 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 do you? Do you have any... <laughs> Well, I think we've identified a handful of places where it kind of comes from in our culture. I don't originally, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, there was a, a question Brandis asked uh, a few minutes ago and Carrie, you kind of implicitly kind of answered it just now, actually. Uh, the question was, so what do you do? And Brandis, you suggested something about people getting more in touch with reality or something like that. I don't remember exactly how you said it. And I think I would almost throw out sort of the opposite which is giving up on the notion that anybody's got, you know, the market on reality any better than anybody else. And instead just worrying about how you can better investigate. And that's sort of what you were saying, Carrie, asking questions, you know, and I think we, if we decide that curiosity is more important than having a better, you know, a better, smarter, more um, exclusive access to reality than the other person it might get a, away from a lot of this behavior. Yeah, but yes, I, I agree with you. But we're like we're building these drones, these these robot people that you know. Um, this is a very strong opinion that I have. <laughs> <laughs> that that because we're taught, you know, like this dog eat dog world, like you have to be seen. And right now in this age, the way to be seen is to say something smart. And because idiocy is is such a epidemic in the world, very strong opinion that I have. Um, no one's no one's checking anyone you know there's like this this very odd thing that's happening where there's somebody that has a really strong opinion and there's somebody that may have something more insightful or helpful to say but they don't say it because they're trying to care for this person who feels like they need to be seen but in doing that you're also feeding the beast in a way by allowing this thing to to continue to go on so it's like at what point do you become very transparent with someone and say, listen, like you may have your opinion. I don't agree with you. Here's what I want to say. Let's have a conversation right. and let's not have it so one-sided. Right. Well, I think it's kind of, it's kind of twofold because, um, and kind of what you're suggesting is sort of a reality check for people. And I think what's difficult about that is if the momentum of everything else that's pushing them is the opposite of what your reality check is, it's just going to encourage people to dig their feet in deeper rather than sort of give up that notion you're describing of like needing to be seen by being prolific or unique or exciting or whatever. And I think the tougher way, the, I mean, the, the harder thing to do, which is the, the, the bigger solution, is just a subtle overall culture shift where the thing that's rewarded is listening and asking questions and, you know, showing up in a different way than trying to be seen only by sort of that prolific performance thing so what you're saying is shut the internet down 
<laughs> Let's all go back to the parlor conversations where... Isn't that funny? I'm a total tech geek. And yes, <laughs> the internet's a disaster. But then you think about what, what you're talking about, though, is, is if one person gives you a reality check and everyone else is basically co-signing on everything you have to say, then what's going to enter into your mind is that this person that's reality checking you doesn't, isn't, doesn't know what's happening, right? So then you become defensive or whatever. And now that person is deemed as having a wrong opinion or being an idiot for, for coming against you in that way. I feel like it's getting to a completely different level now, though, because when, when someone is putting their opinion out there in 140 characters and they've edited it and re-edited it, that's hard to say three times fast. <laughs> so they put their opinion out there and then um, people are reading it, right? And they either respond or they don't or they give it a little thumbs up or something. But the point is, is that there's not a lot of feedback about it. So then we get kind of used to doing that over and over again. Then when we're actually in social company and we're face to face with people, and they say something and they think it's gold and they put it out there and they want you to hear what they had to say and they've really thought this through. In fact, they tweeted it earlier today. And they don't know if you read it, so they're just going to repeat it now. And then they're looking in your face, um, but they're kind of not. They're just they're assuming that you're going to love it before right. you, you actually sign on and say that you do. But if we see in their face that they want it to be accepted, and then we play along, and we're like, oh, okay. Or, or we just kind of look at them and say nothing. Um, I think we're kind of implicitly saying we agree. And yeah. because well, it would it would be strange to be like, uh, no, sure. <laughs> you really you really wanted me to love that one. So I'm going to say nothing. <laughs> and I think part of what you're suggesting is people are so used to not getting that feedback that when it's in person, they couldn't tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get those clues. You kind of can pick up on the body language or the facial expressions or whatever. You're getting some clues that they couldn't actually handle the feedback you might actually be thinking. I had that experience today, actually. Someone someone asked me about something that was written and I had a very hard time in my head thinking, okay, well, I can say that I disagree with you, but like, am I going to crush your whole world if I say it? Because like, you're so on board with what's happening. What do I do? I mean, I just decided to say like, I actually disagree with what you said, but we can have a conversation about it. And that was actually really, really, really hard to do. Um, because there's this there's this false sense of support when someone already presents their idea as something that you're going to get behind. So then you have to have, like have this dialogue in your head about how how either to or not to let them down, and that's a whole other thing, you know, based on how you interact with people yeah. or want to care for them or or whatever. Yeah, uh, this is just one small subset of what you're describing, but I feel like there's this whole art form of sort of corporate speak that you have to learn how to do to manage folks in those positions of power that would never accept the direct feedback, mm-hmm. right? You have to get really good at the, wow, that's an amazing idea. I really, I think, I, I think that's the best thing I've heard all week. You know, I'd love to add just one thought to that amazing idea and maybe it'll make it even better, right? You have to find some way to sneak in a thing that's... So no one's being authentic. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you have to give kind of a backhanded compliment. I mean, is it, is it getting to the point where being able to put your opinion out so quickly and so succinctly and in such a, an edited way that um, we're developing these egos that can't withstand feedback? 
well, I think we got into this in another episode also, but yes, I think we're teaching people to be little narcissists. Oh, that's cute. Oh. You know, something, something <laughs> happened. No, no. So did, did you guys notice? Did you notice? Did you notice? No, Facebook, right? So there's no other platform, social media, whatever, where you can send something out into the world and then you can go back and edit it as it's live. So Facebook just introduced this thing. I just noticed it a couple of weeks ago because I, I misspelled a word and I wanted to go back and change it. And there's an edit post button. So it's like, even if you, like, let's, let's say you post something and someone has a horrible opinion about it, you can change it without having to post it again. Huh. You can just rework the dialogue. You know what is even easier to rework the dialogue on than a Facebook post? An actual conversation. An actual conversation. <laughs> <laughs> a week later, you can be like, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Uh, no, no, I don't think I said that. <laughs> I don't remember it. Prove it. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got you like said it on a podcast. Let me pull it up. Room, you know? How are you going to prove it? Well, just don't say it on air right now, Dan, because people can refer back to it, oh, right. and this they will replay recorded. it on. They'll replay it on their podcast and have an opinion about you. I would love that. But I, I would love that. I would love it if a podcast had an opinion about this podcast. That would be excellent. And However, we could do like a four-way conference call to argue with somebody else <laughs> about their podcast and our podcast. That would be the best episode of our podcast ever because we'd record that <laughs> and put it on the air. <laughs> Without I'm, a doubt. Um, I'm going to go back and edit this out. No. Because I think it's an oh. awful idea, and that's my opinion. Oh. Are you ready to check out? <laughs> uh, maybe. I had one more uh, thing to add. It can be your checkout. Um, sure. Okay. Okay. I'll check out with it. Uh, my checkout thought is that there's a huge parallel between a few of the things we just said and this notion that a lot of therapists have about being like the perfect holding environment and always responding yes. kindly and always being nice yes. and always being supportive. Yes. And inadvertently, we're like mimicking what Facebook does and mimicking what all this Twittering does and, you know, inadvertently supporting the same like lack of feedback. Not that our feedback would be better or worse, but it would force dialogue. It would force an actual conversation with different perspectives, you know, and in my opinion, I'm, I'm always full of opinions, but um, it's not about them being right. It's about getting good at hearing different perspectives. Um, I, I agree with you. It, it, if, if it could start anywhere, I would say starting in an environment where someone may be open to what you have to say as a therapist, right? Um, to be able to introduce that idea to someone who's going to go out and tweet or Facebook or talk to people. And maybe they'll hold in mind that conversation you had uh, in a therapy session where you introduce a different idea of how to interact um, and how to interject what you think may be prolific or whatever, and also take in, into account, you know, what someone else's opinion might be as well. Yeah. I, I have to check out with a story. I don't think I have anything um, that's present other than this memory. So I have a, I had, I went, went to a therapist and um, I could tell that they were editing as I was there, because they were stony-faced and tight-lipped. And I interrupted our little, you know, back and forth with a question. I asked a straight-out question, and their response was, you're asking me? <laughs> it felt like they were, like, trying to buy some time. Mm. And then they started responding on very um, observable data. Well, I see this and this and this. And um, I guess... 
it was interesting at the time to see how they would respond without having to kind of fix up what they were going to say first. But the story comes to mind because I can tell how heavily edited it, that it was and um, how I've never valued doing that in my work. Uh, I'll say things like, you know, I have something coming up for me right now and I'm not really sure how to articulate it, but I'm going to throw it out there and then I'll clean it up, which is actually a <laughs> technique I learned from a client once upon a time. Um, she would say that a lot. And I've, I've, I've taken that because I, I think that anyone who's practicing psychotherapy should give themselves permission to just be really messy, as my supervisors always told me, and that it's all good material. I mean, who cares? You, you say it. Obviously, we're going to try not to be offensive. But if you have a thought or an opinion and you feel it's relevant and you don't think it's prepared well enough, that's okay. Right. You can still put it out there. The really, really important factor is asking, well, what was it like to hear that? Or how did that come across to you? Or what was the impact of what I said? Or, wow, as I said that, I'm now re realizing, you know, I have these feelings about what I just said and then sharing that. And that's, that's really powerful material as well. I don't think all of the editing is always necessary. Yeah. Well, and another thing implicit in what you just said is that you led with an invitation. I'm going to throw something out and then we'll play with it. Right. It sort of invites people right. into like a more open type of conversation rather than a take turns preaching the truth. And it happens all the time yeah. because a lot of clients come in and they want advice or a fix or they want some sort of answer. And so I'll be very, very explicit about that. And I'll go, I can see that you're reaching for something that's going to alleviate your pain. I see that you're in pain and my heart goes out for that. So, okay, if you you want to try some things? Well, let's brainstorm some ideas and we come up with, um, I'm going to exercise three times a week and I'm going to try to eat better. Okay. Let's experiment with that and just leaving it out there as we're okay. We're going to experiment with me giving you advice. My advice is, and then I repeat whatever their own plan was. I go, okay, well, what's it like to get advice from me on your life when we just met? <laughs> I don't know anything about your life or whether or not you can sustain this plan. And, and then, you know, they give me the feedback about what it's like to get advice from a stranger practically. Mm -hmm. And then they go home and they try it and then they come back and I go, wow, how did my advice work? My expert opinion and everything that I told you to do. <laughs> and then it's just really entertaining because yeah. it's usually, you know, it didn't work out because, right. or, or it worked out for a week. It was actually very motivating because I felt accountable to you. But other than that, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't feel like techniques are... A, a wide part of the time very useful unless you're holding it in a very light space of it being an experiment yeah yeah well thank you brandis for being on our show again it's always a delight to have you join us that they can't see you you have to actually <laughs> respond with your voice you're welcome <laughs> she's doing jazz hands and thumbs up over here that's cute do i get to check out yes i thought you did no oh do i get to <laughs> check out um hello i'm on the show today and i would like to check out <laughs> um oh yeah, okay i don't have a sure, check you, you can have a turn okay thank you <laughs> i don't have a check out it was great to be here thank you <laughs> that's fine she just needed a little just enough room to be herself yeah <laughs> you can have that space on our show we oh. welcome it <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs> 
This episode was not brought to you by user feedback, but by our own opinions. <laughs> Next episode, we're going to go back to feedback from our listeners. We have some uh, that we have some future episodes planned on. So please keep sending it in. Uh, we love your questions and your concerns and your thoughts and all of those things, especially your opinions. You can email us at feedback at fireyourtherapistshow.com or tweet us Facebook at FYT Show. Fire Your Therapist was produced by Yumi Media. Subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes or go to fireyourtherapistshow.com where you can find podcasts, resources, and more.